Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Everybody, I got a question for you. When you wake up in the morning in a good mood, and you're smiling at people and you're talking with people, how do you feel? Do you feel more human or less human than on the days where you wake up and you hate life and you hate everyone in it? Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a bad mood, I don't feel as much like I belong in the human class. I feel like I should be off in a cave somewhere. Pretty sure that's some days that's where my wife would prefer that I would go. One of the things about me that, that I, tend, uh, I tend to be a sucker for true crime stories and true crime podcasts. And I'm not sure what that says about me, but I think part of the thing that's going on there is, is that's so intriguing about true crime stories is that these stories are so far out there from the normal human way of thinking and the normal human way of living that we almost can't even conceive that it's real behavior uh, and, it's, and, and that these stories actually happen. And so it, it seems almost fake to us. And so we can listen to it um, with sort of a distance from it that makes it almost seem more entertaining than appalling. And it makes me think of something that I read from N.T. Wright. He says, living Christianly makes people more human, not less. No Christian should grumble at extra demands of love. Now, I really like that. Living like Jesus makes people more human. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that it literally makes us more human, but it humanizes us. It makes us more like what humanity is meant to be. We really only seem to kind of have one of two ways to go in life. You can become something better, something more human, or you can become something worse. You can kind of lose some of your humanity. None of us really just stay the same. And it seems the more that we become like Jesus, the more we become human. We become humane in how we treat people and how we see other people. We actually learn that it feels good and it feels right to treat people well rather than to treat people horribly. Sometimes I'll be watching a movie or a documentary and I think to myself, how in the world can a bad guy actually act that way? There's like, there's no way that people could be this bad. You know, people like Hitler, they, tr- they truly seem less than human. Uh, but that's a really, that's a large scale sample right there. Uh, I look at my own life and I realize that some days I'm just not quite as human as I am on other days. What causes me to lack that thing that makes me respond to people in a way that's right, in a way that's just, in a way that's loving? This is a perfect question for us to think through as we're continuing this discussion on the idea of justice in this five-week series. Acting in justice towards others is, in a sense, it's giving them back the humanity that maybe they've lost, uh, maybe it's been taken from them along the way. That's really what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. He gave us back a sense of humanity that that we had kind of lost in this animalistic sin nature that just kind of leads us to to do whatever we please in our selfish desires. And there's a story in a really short book in the New Testament called Philemon that plays out this kind of justice uh, that shows how living Christianly actually does make us more human, partly by giving others back their humanity. That's really what justice is about. It's about giving someone else back their humanity, not giving, giving into the, to the prejudice that we hold against people 
to begin to see them as the free humans that they are, deserving of a chance at, at all the beauty that life has to give. And so let me, let me just kind of set up this story for you. Uh, Paul is the guy that's writing this short letter. He wrote, I mean, come on, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he's been busy for a long time now at this point in his life, going around to various cities, uh, starting churches, telling people about Jesus. And of course, this is actually after he had spent a lot, a lot of his life going around and persecuting Christians. His life was dramatically transformed by his encounter with God. And at the time that he's writing this short letter, he's actually sitting in a prison cell. The guy that Paul is writing to, his name is Philemon. That's where the name of the book comes from. He's a leader in a house church in the city of Colossae. And some time ago, Philemon had a slave named Onesimus. And now whenever the, the term slavery comes up in the New Testament, it needs to be said that early American slavery, New Testament slavery, they really were, they were quite different things. They had a lot of similarities, but they were quite different. Um, you know, slavery, slavery as we think about it, it is a completely dehumanizing thing. Uh, slavery, slavery in the New Testament, now for sure, it could be dehumanizing in many ways, but often it was probably more accurately something more like what we think of as indentured servitude. It was, it was oftentimes a contract that one person would enter into it with another person whom they owed money to. Slavery was a way of life in the New Testament world. Uh, many people who were slaves were actually very well-educated people. Um, but people could also become slaves in other ways. Uh, following a war, people would be put into slavery uh, when, when somebody had defeated their nation. Uh, many slaves were, in fact, treated as though they really didn't have rights that they were property of the person that, that owned them. But other times, slaves were actually treated well by their masters, even to the point where sometimes they were welcomed in as a, as a part of the family. It really just kind of depended on the temperament of the master. Now, some slave-master relationships, yes, they were actually quite healthy, but many of them were not. Uh, the slave who had sold themselves to pay off a debt they actually could usually work off their debt to the point where they then would be given back their freedom. And so you got this guy Onesimus. And at, at one time, he was the slave of this church leader named Philemon. Uh, but at some point, Onesimus ran away. And this wasn't an unusual thing. No matter, no, no matter if you were a slave of a good master or an evil master, everybody wants complete freedom. That's no different from you and me today. And what likely happened was Onesimus went and stole money from Philemon for living expenses, and he took off. Now, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of options for a slave on the run like this. Uh, N.T. Wright actually says there's probably three options that Onesimus had. He could have joined a band of other ex-slaves and went around with them. He could have hidden himself in the underworld of a big city, uh, or he could have fled uh, to become a refuge in a pagan shrine. But here's the crazy thing. Somewhere along the way, he came across Paul, and through his connection with Paul, his life was truly transformed. He gave his life over to Jesus, completely over to Jesus. And eventually, he actually becomes really close to Paul. He, he becomes a help to Paul in his ministry. And while Paul is in prison in Ephesus, Onesimus becomes kind of Paul's, one of his go-to friends. So what happens is Paul's actually at a crossroads here. Because it would have been illegal for him to harbor this runaway slave. But on the other hand, he's in opposition to slavery. He believes Onesimus deserves to be free. 
He wants Onesimus to, to actually be able to stay by his side. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon, Onesimus' owner. And here's what part of that letter says. Now, Philemon is just, it's just one chapter. And so uh, it, when it says, we're going to read out of Philemon 8 20 through 21, it's just eight verse, verse 8 through verse 21. Here it is. He says, although in Christ I could be bold and order you, Philemon, to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Now, here's a really awesome thing about this letter. Paul sends Onesimus, this ex-slave, back to Colossae to hand deliver this letter, along with another letter that we find in our New Testament, the letter to the Colossians. He sends Onesimus back to hand deliver this to the church there. He quite possibly showed up at, at this home church, the home of his former master that he ran away from, and he likely hand delivered this letter from Paul to Philemon himself. Can you imagine the look on Philemon's face when his former slave, who undoubtedly owed him money, showed up in his house again? This is absolutely unheard of. A runaway slave doesn't just show up again. What is going to be Philemon's reaction? Now, the truth is, we aren't really told what Philemon's reaction is here. But the fact that this letter shows up in our scriptures, it's a pretty good indicator that Philemon reacted out of a place of humility. So, I want us to dig into exactly what was it that Paul was calling Philemon to in this letter. Now, here's the broad scope of it, what Paul's calling him to. He is calling for Philemon to offer complete and total freedom to his ex-slave. And Paul uses actually a wordplay on on this name Onesimus to do this. The name Onesimus actually was a common name for a slave in Paul's culture. It probably actually started off as a nickname because Onesimus, the word actually means useful. And so it'd, be, it'd become a nickname for a slave who was around the house and, and they were being useful to, to their master. And so this started off probably as a nickname. And Paul does something in verse 11 that we probably don't catch the entire significance when we read it in an English translation. Uh, let me read to you again what he says in verse 11. He says, Formerly he, Onesimus, was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Now, again, the name Onesimus, it means useful, but the two terms that Paul uses here for useless and useful, they actually sound even more alike in the Greek than they do in the English. Uh, the terms are akristos and euchristos, uh, useless and useful. Paul is telling Philemon that this slave 
of his who had gone against him, who had become completely useless to him, now had been transformed into something even better than he ever was before. In fact, there's actually maybe even a double hidden meaning in this Greek word that Paul uses because the underlying word here, Christos, has the exact same pronunciation as the title Christos that we give to Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is Onesimus is is not only useful, but now he is in Jesus. He is in Christ. And so Paul's appeal to Philemon is that this guy is a completely different man than the one who ran away from you. He is now a brother. The slave identity is over. He is free. And and Paul's call is for Philemon to do the right thing and to grant back Onesimus' freedom. Uh, I had a friend in high school. Uh, He did not start off as a friend. Um, He moved in after eighth grade, starting off our freshman year. And I remember watching this kid. uh, I think we were doing some like gym night, one of the first weeks of school as a freshman, just for everybody to kind of get to know each other and all this stuff. And and I was a basketball player. And this kid... uh, this kid, I thought he thought he was the, the bomb basketball player. Like, he came in thinking he was going to take the, the point guard spot from everybody who had it, which I was one of them. And I'm telling you, I did not like this kid. I had placed an identity on him, that he was a chump. And I didn't want to be friends with this guy. Um, it wasn't until I changed my, the identity that I had put on him that he was able to become one of my better friends. You know, and by senior year, uh, I realized this kid, this was a really cool dude. We hung out a ton. He became, he really did become a good friend of mine, but it didn't happen until in my mind, I changed my identity about what I thought he was. Now, do you want to bring justice to people? Give them freedom from their past identity and open the door to a new identity that they can have in Jesus. You know, Paul simply wants Philemon to to let go of this former identity that he had given to Onesimus, Onesimus. You know, let's be honest, Philemon was probably livid at this guy Onesimus. Philemon may have held held him as a slave, maybe even before he he turned his own life to Jesus. We don't know when he was a slave, but all we know is that Paul is saying, it is time to let go of your former understanding of who this guy is. He's no longer useless to you. He is useful. Uh, And he's useful even more so because Jesus makes him useful. So you and I, we, we aren't just called to give people freedom from their past identity only if they've turned to Jesus. When Jesus chose to die for the sin of the world, do you think he was, he was holding on to the past identities of the people that he was dying for? Here's what I mean by that. Do you think that when Jesus went to the cross, do you think that he was holding on onto this identity of me being this jerk who manages to say the sarcastic and demeaning things so much of the time? Or do you think that he saw me in light of of what he was aiming to make me into. Do you think that when Jesus was was dying on the cross, do you think that he was thinking of you as the negative self-talker who can't get out of your own way? Or do you think that he saw you in light of the hope that he aimed to bring something better out of your life? Do you think that when Jesus went to the cross, do you think he was thinking of the person who's living on the street as being incapable of getting sober and that they were an, an, an impossible cause? Or do you think that as he was dying, he was believing that there was something better that that person was created for? See, Paul's telling Philemon to see the identity change in Onesimus. He's telling him to see this same guy that ran away from him as a runaway slave, that he has now been accepted by Jesus just as Philemon himself has been. But this identity change is something that we're supposed to see in everybody. 
It wasn't actually Onesimus' decision to follow Jesus that was the reason for the identity change. It wasn't anything Onesimus did that, that made, made it like, hey, Philemon, you need to think about him differently. It was actually what Jesus did. Jesus' willingness to die for Onesimus that was the true identity changer. But see, you and I, we keep people in bondage. We keep people in, in kind of a type of slavery when we place an identity on them that's different than the identity of being somebody that Jesus died for. When you and I look at someone, we, we see all kinds of things. We see, man, that per- what a loser. We look at people and we see liar. We see good for nothing. We see not worth my time. Uh, and those are identities that we place on people. The identity that Philemon might have had for Onesimus, thief. Dude owes me. But here's the identity that, that we should be challenged to see when we see other people. Meant for reconciliation with God. That's it. Like You can think all these other things about people, but the one thing that matters is to realize this. Other people were meant for reconciliation with God. Check this out. If if the gospel that both Onesimus and Philemon have embraced is the message of reconciliation, then that message is capable of reconciling both slave and free. All those people out there that you've placed an identity on, it is time to give them freedom. Free your mind from what you've determined their lives are about and how you're going to interact with them, how you're going to think about them and see them as the one that God wants to reconcile with. You got to remember that Jesus died for everyone. He died. He died for your annoying mother-in-law. He died for the pizza delivery man who's always late and who runs into the little statue at the end of your driveway. I'm surprised if anybody can come up and tell me what movie I'm referencing right there. Uh, Jesus died for the lunch lady who won't give you one more scoop of chocolate pudding in the cafeteria. It is time that we stop seeing people in the identity that we've chosen to see them in and see them as the identity that they're meant for, as somebody that is worthy of Jesus. That's when we start to live out justice towards other people. Uh, 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Think about the freedom that you can give someone when you stop thinking about them in all the ways that they've hurt you and offended you. And you start thinking about them in light of what Jesus did for them. Paul was pleading with Philemon to stop thinking about Onesimus as just a runaway slave. He asked him to see him in light of what Jesus had done. And here's the thing about about justice. Justice isn't holding on to the past until you can get back at the person who wronged you. Justice is holding on to Jesus to let him give that person the future that he wants for them. Jesus gave you a justice that you didn't deserve. He took your sin and he took its consequence so that you didn't have to. It's not right to to take a justice that we don't deserve ourselves and that we did nothing to earn and then ask other people to earn our justice. Paul Paul was getting at that in this letter. And here's my favorite part of what he says in Philemon 17, 18. He says, if he has done any wrong and he owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, I'm writing this letter in my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Paul's saying to Philemon, dude, I will pay for whatever you are owed by Onesimus if you really need to be repaid. But then I love how he sticks this in there. He's like, yeah, I'll pay it. No big deal. It's not like you owe me your life or anything. I love the passive aggressive thing that Paul's got going on here. It's actually kind of hilarious that this is in the Bible like this. 
honestly, he's just trying to help Philemon see the whole picture. You've been given so much grace. The just thing here is to give whatever grace you can in return. That's it. End of story. That's justice for anyone who, who has received justice from Jesus. So real briefly, what, before we're done here, I want us to review something from this letter. Um, ways that you can offer freedom to people in your life. You may not physically be enslaving somebody today, but there can definitely be emotional and relational things that we do to keep people in bondage. Uh, here's four ways, real quick, how you can free people so that they can embrace so, this new identity that they have in Jesus. First thing is this, offer freedom from the debts that you feel owed to you. This one's a tough one. This is one that we just looked at. Paul was, Paul was telling Philemon, like, dude, you owe me. Don't be going out there demanding repayment from Onesimus. But the truth is, even if someone doesn't owe you something, we all owe Jesus a debt that we can't repay. His forgiveness, it can't be outmatched. Your debt to him, there's just no way to repay it, but it, is, it can be repaid a little bit every time that we offer freedom to somebody else who we think owes us. So offer freedom by, by letting your debts go. Another way that you offer freedom is offer freedom from your mental imprisonment. How often do you think that Philemon sat around thinking about Onesimus and how he robbed him and how he, he took his money and he ran away and maybe the same amount that you hold people in your own mental imprisonment? Guess what? This freedom might be more for your sake, letting people out of, out of your own imprisonment in your brain. No one else can take up residence in your mind unless you let them. But on the other hand, people can, they can also usually sense our disdain and our judgment for them. When you or I can give people freedom from our mental imprisonment, it is going to show them what the justice of God really looks like. They're going to learn to accept that God actually does offer them freedom if we're able to offer them freedom. A third thing, uh, way we can offer freedom is this. Offer freedom from your anger and manipulation. What I love in this letter is this is actually something that I think Paul himself is doing here. You think about it, he was, he was in prison. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. And while he was there, Onesimus becomes a comfort to him and, he, and he's helping him out. He's visiting him, all that kind of stuff. And how easy would it have been for, for Paul to manipulate Onesimus to just stay with him instead of going back and doing the right thing and sending him to Philemon to be reconciled there? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.